0: This is Inksteads on CITR one one point nine FM. My guest today is Sully, whose collection out from Conundrum, uh, The Hipless Boy, is in select stores now. Um, very fine piece of obviously Montreal esque experiences, I might say. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way of putting it?
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's not entirely localized to to Montreal. I mean. Um but it's definitely uh really situated in Montreal. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't you know, when you live in a city, you can't help but let its flavor seep into you. So and and definitely like in the comics, a lot of the backgrounds, I took a lot of reference photos. Um you know, when I embarked on on uh the book. So um it you know, just like the the layout of the streets you know how different cities have different layouts right like ottawa like the 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 buildings don't go very high only like a couple stories unless you're downtown and then they they're towering but even then there's something like very small about ottawa um whereas in toronto like the skyscrapers are everywhere (laughs) yeah and in montreal like when you're in kind of like a hip neighborhood like, there's something kind of ramshackle about the streets. I mean, they're still very, like, street-like, but th- it speaks to, you know, a certain constitution of, you know, the people in the city, you know, the way they laid out a street or the way things just kind of happen to settle, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I would say, like, Montreal is a central figure in the book, even though the characters... It's tough. You can't help but become your city no matter where you live. So, like, Montreal is a very kind of, like shabby kind of lazy um city but it's still a city like they still consider themselves like very fashionable um it, and so i'm hoping that that tension kind of appears in the book well
0: i got to say there's no way a book like this could take place in vancouver <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it rains all the time
0: no not it doesn't rain as much as people think it's just that uh we don't have that artistic uh nucleus really yeah Huh? There's not as much excitement, odd things going on.
1: Oh, okay, I see what you mean.
0: And I kind of feel like, um, with the book, it's like you're kind of like, uh, I'm presuming it's somewhat autobiographical, or is it completely fictional?
1: No, it's somewhat autobiographical. Like some some of those stories are verbatim, like my life. Um, (laughs) But then other things are complete fabulations. You know, or like they're stories that are kind of merge together from like my story and a friend's story,
0: well, it seems like your experiences are you kind of get swept up in the city, and it's very easy not
1: to get swept up in Vancouver, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too bad, yeah, I was, see i I visited Vancouver once for two weeks, and um I stayed on commercial drive, okay, which is like the least commercial street at that time that that was like five years ago and it was kind of like a hipster street.
0: Kind of, it's more of the uh the aging hippies and uh okay. babies and dogs and things.
1: Okay. It's got some
0: action there. Most of the stuff is on Main Street now. Okay. Um,
1: oh yeah, I I I was recently looking for like a venue to uh do an event possibly in Vancouver. Oh okay. And like the three recommendations I got from people where, like, they all were on Main Street, you know, like, (laughs) on a different part of Main Street. And I was like, all right, I guess I got to do it in Main Street.
0: (laughs) I would say uh, my recommendation is Lucky's Comics.
1: I'm sorry, Lucky's Comics? Yeah. My, no, the event I want to hold, though, isn't going to work in a comic store. Oh, okay.
0: What kind of event?
1: Oh, I mentioned it in the book. It's a slow dance night.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so it's just, like, getting, like, Maybe probably if we do it the first time, it'll be like uh, we'll get about forty, fifty people out. You know, <laughs> put up a mirror ball, and then people just slow dance.
0: Well, tell people about the the concept of the slow dance Like half this book is like weird, interesting concepts. <laughs> so
1: I'm I'm a, I, what I like is ideas. I like playing with ideas. Yeah, and um, and coming up with like twists unfamiliar ideas so one of the ideas uh that i had years ago um that i managed to like cram into the book uh is of a slow dance night um and basically like i, I never wh- when i was in junior high i enjoyed slow dancing uh with people but uh i never slow danced that much because i was terribly shy and, you know, I was going through puberty, so I was kind of fucked up in the head. Oh, can I swear on your podcast? That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so I was kind of fucked up in the head. and um, But I really enjoyed slow dancing. I thought it was tremendous. And then, like, you know, years later, I'm living in Montreal, and, like, I go to some kind of dance night with friends, and all we do is, like, dance fast. You know, we flail our arms, and we all kind of... Dance like alone, like sometimes we 'll dance with each other, but it 's kind of like you're you 're just kind of moving beside each other and i I never like this kind of like we 're all marching in place, you know yeah. to this quick, quick beat, and while that's pleasurable sometimes like also you get really sweaty, <laughs> <laughs> and i don 't like to sweat that much, so um I just thought wouldn't it be nice if we could dance? The way we did in junior high you know like with other people and to like slow music and like when i like something i'll do it a lot um like recently i i, I bought some new pants and i really like these pants so i went back and i bought like four more of the <laughs> same pant the same color same because um, i know like when these pants wear out i'll want the same pants again and I won't be able to find it. I'll go back to the store, and like it'll be last season or something. So when I like something, I'll buy like a ton of them. And so um, I I thought, you know, I, I like to slow dance. So why don't we just have slow dances every song? You know, because back in junior high, it'd be like you know like eight quick songs, and then one slow dance song, and then everybody would get off the floor, and then all the couples would remain on the floor, slow dancing and then it would go back to, like, quick dancing. So I thought, okay, we're going to do... It'll be the opposite at my events. Um, it'll be, like, ten slow dance songs and then three quick songs, you know, and those will be the intermissions. So that's pretty much it. That's slow dance night in a nutshell. <laughs> but we also have um, dance cards. Um, this is, like, a throwback to, like, an old concept. I, You know, I'd heard of dance cards. Like, you, there's that old saying, like, you know, get your dance cards filled, Yeah, but I never really understood what it was because I wasn't born in the 1940s, so, but what what it is is that, you know, this is back in, like, the 1890s in Vienna, and you would actually have a a physical card, and it would have, like, you know, it would be numbered, like, 1 to like 20, or 1 to 10, and there'd be a live band there playing, like, waltzes, and you would act you know usually I mean it was very formal back then and very like you know heteronormative and very set you know like it was like men who asked women to dance and so only women had dance cards I think and then um the men would ask the women to dance and then the women would fill their dance cards with the names of these men and then when that dance came up you would find that person and then you would have a dance um And sometimes, like, I've seen photos of, like, old dance cards on the Internet. And sometimes you could see, like, this one dude asked this woman to dance, like, three times. (laughs) And it's, you know, and his name pops up again and again on the dance cards. And sometimes, like, what these women will do is they'll write little comments beside (laughs) these men's names. Like, you know, um, like, you know, Big Nose or, or like, um, you know... Like dresses funny, or smells funny, you know, like just just ways for them to remember who these men were that they danced with. So anyway, you get these dance cards, and also we have um... designated dancers because, like, back when I was like in junior high, I was terribly shy and I didn't want to ask anyone to dance. And like, but the only way I was going to slow dance is if I asked someone to dance. So you know, you're kind of forced into it, but at, at Slow Dance Night, you, I know this, you know, we're going off topic, kind of, you know, we're not talking about comedy <laughs> ah, at all. that's fine. But at Slow Dance Night, you have, um, we have designated dancers, and so we, we got about four of, you know, I mean, again, you know, like, um, you know, we, we're very inclusive, we, 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 like, embrace, you know, we want, like, you know, old people to come, we want gays and lesbians to come, we want trans people to come, but, um, it's, it's also difficult to cater to, to all those c- communities. So, yeah. you know, we, we have, like, we, we basically are like, all right, we, we get four men and four women, and those are our designated dancers. And they wear gold sashes, so you know, <laughs> you know that they're designated dancers. And, and we, their job is to ask people to dance. Their job is to, like, if you're a wallflower, they will hunt you down and bring you out on the dance floor and make sure you're dancing. So in in that way, like, your even if you're a wallflower, there there's you're gonna get at least one dance during
0: That's the evening, hilarious.
1: you know. And and after that, it's kind of up to you, you know. But you're gonna get at least one dance to kind of warm you up. So that is slow dance night. So
0: have you done that in a, in different towns or different cities so far?
1: We've done it in Toronto a couple times. Um, we've done it in Ottawa like uh, three times. And we 've done it in Montreal like nine times, so like it it's it works it's i mean in a way it 's kind of like speed dating in disguise, you know because it 's like you you have one dance with someone if you don't like them you don 't have to dance with them again. you dance with someone else, you know yeah so it, it, but I think people need that you know there's definitely a demand for it
0: now, for your comics, how does that work? in your artistic process cuz it seems like you take on a bunch of stuff cuz I also heard that you do poetry at the same time
1: Yeah, I, you know it's complicated. I I'm kind of a weirdo in that I like to do a lot of different things. Um and so I I may not be that good at any one thing, <laughs> which is terrible. You know, and something, you know, I've I've agonized over, but at the same time I I get a little distracted um oftentimes like i get these notions in my head and i think wouldn't it be cool to try that or to do that so i'm always jumping from project to project and sometimes it's very difficult for me to like focus on any one thing for for long enough to actually bring it to completion um so i mean these these events that i've started to throw um you know i guess i got kind of addicted to throwing events because it's a great way to be social, and, you know, as a comic artist, like, it, usually being a comic artist is very solitary. Yeah. So I found it a, a nice release and, and a way to be social um, in a controlled way, because I host these events, right? So, um, like, I started doing a strip spelling bee also here in Montreal, and it's kind of like um, strip poker, but it's a spelling bee. And but it's also kind of like a like a amateur strip night, and it <laughs> takes place in front of an audience. So it starts out as a spelling bee. Like like people go up and then you give I give them a word, um, and it's usually quite a hard word. And so if they're not a good speller, they're going to get it wrong, and then they have to take off a third of their clothes. And then the lights change from this bright kind of like interrogation light to like a, a deep red light, and the music changes from, like, I have, like, this, um, game show music where it's, like, very, um, it's very tense, it's like, um, it's like that who wants to be a millionaire yeah. music, it's like, dun dun boom boom dun and it's very, uh, like, if you're trying to spell a word, and that music is on, it's, it's quite unnerving, so it changes from that music, when they get the word wrong, to, like, strip music, you know, that kind of brassy, like, uh, you know, like ba-rom, ba-rom, ba-rom. Ba-rom, ba-rom, ba-rom. exactly. <laughs> so it changes to that music, and the lights change, and then they have to take off a third of their clothing because there are three rounds, right? Yeah. And so, uh, what I found is that I, I love throwing these strange events where um, an audience comes, and usually the participants are like kind of the audience themselves, and uh, and people kind of connect with each other in an interesting way and I find like you know what I uh, this is almost like more engaging than comics because you know you're telling a different kind of story and and it takes place in one night so it's very rewarding because comics to do a a graphic novel takes years yeah but these events you know you, you might plan for two weeks and then it happens in one night And I drink like crazy You know Because I get drink tickets Right As as the organizer So I get drunk You know I make money off the event Because people pay admission And with Strip Spelling Bee I get like To a free strip show (laughs) And at Slow Dance Night I get to slow dance With cuties You know Because they come up to me You know uh, know, I'm DJing Right So they come up And we, we slow dance On the stage And so it's what a tremendous thing to exploit! Is <laughs> I have to say I recommend event planning far more than comic making. <laughs>
0: you are a true ink stud, Sully. A true <laughs> ink stud.
1: But if if I had a choice, I would be a rock and roll like God. <laughs> you know, but you know I can't play music for shit. So there you go.
0: There we go. So it's time to draw. <laughs>
2: Just a city boy, born and raised himself to
3: trust. He took the midnight train. a singer in a smoke
0: The characters, I mean, it's Sully, Owen, and Minerva are the main... Are they all kind of facets of yourself?
1: It's complicated. Um, Minerva is made up up of two uh, of my close friends um, and, like, different aspects of them. And Owen is... Like, his physical appearance... Um, and part of his background is made up of uh, another friend of mine, um, but then like that artistic, his artistic bent, that that part of him that demands that he make fucked up art events, um, and lo- and how he loves advertising and his like his passion for kind of pushing ideas beyond what's acceptable. Yeah, that's that's definitely like part of me. And then the Sully character is the part of me that uh, that is kind of like the everyday dude, you know, because I, I kind of go through my life and I'm really, like, astonished by the world and not sure what to do most days, who's very kind of self-conscious um, about how he appears to others uh, and and is not entirely sure what to do about most things so yeah like they're all kind of i mean every everyone who makes like fiction or comics definitely does that you know there's this notion that when you have a dream like even if your family appears in your dreams or your best friends or even like you know barack obama if barack obama appears in your dreams like all these people in your dreams are you you know like they're not barack obama isn't really barack obama is what Barack Obama represents to you. Mm. So I I like that notion, and how, like, in fiction, even if you have completely different characters who argue all the time, they're both definitely part of you. And I like that idea.
0: And I think that's something that a lot of... you see in a lot of different people's work and kind of how different works they put out take on different facets of themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Aspects, I guess. Um, now, tell me about your poetry. That, like, because <laughs> I, I was I was having lunch with Mark Bell the other day, and he said, "Hey, he does some really
1: neat poetry stuff." Talking oh. about
0: interviewing you. Huh.
1: That's nice. Does Mark Bell live out there?
0: No, he lives in Montreal.
1: Oh, you were in Montreal recently.
0: No, he was here for his book tour.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm yeah. Confused. That's okay. Um, I used I. It's complicated. Poetry is complicated. I used to write a lot of it. Yeah. I wrote it mostly in my, like, teens. Um, and I, ro- fuck, I wrote a fuck-ton in my teens. That's when I needed it. Fuck <laughs> <ton>. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to get this shit out. And um, I wrote a lot of bad poetry and some good poetry. And, um, yeah, I put out a couple, couple of books of poetry. One is called Gentle Fictions. And that was kind of like basically my um, late teens and early 20s. Um, and then I wrote a, a book of pseudo-haikus. Um, I, I got on the haiku kick when I was living in Montreal, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, she, she saw this like listing in the newspaper about a Montreal haiku club. And she wanted to go to that, and so we went. And it was kind of like, I mean, it was mostly old people, um, but we we both decided to start writing haikus um, according to, like, the 575, like, standard yeah. template, which is five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. And, you know, there's, like, traditions in haiku, like, usually, like, uh, something in nature is, is mentioned in the haiku. And, you know, I started out writing, like, very traditional 575 haikus with nature in them, and um, but then you know like like everything I start, I wanted to twist it in some way so I just started writing about like random everyday shit um, that happened to me and I found that that was more rewarding than writing like nature scenes and then I I kind of got sick of the five seven five format because you know when you're writing five seven five haikus you're always counting on your fingers to see if the syllables match up. Yeah, And I just got tired of counting You know, I never liked math <laughs> And this was <laughs> kind of like This is bullshit, you know um, And sometimes I wanted to write You know, three, three word haikus You know, just like one word on every line And I was like, how can I do that You know, according to these rules So I decided to, you know, start writing Pseudo haikus haiku- Haikus that kind of looked like haikus When you first glanced at them But if you ever, you know, bothered to count them They would be completely wrong and I kind of got addicted to writing these things. And I wrote them for a long time. And finally, I, like, had enough for a, a book of them. Um, and I wrote, like, like 1,300 wow. pseudo-haikus. And they came out in a book called The World is a Heartbreaker. And it uh, was put out by Coach House Books. Um, and they're in out of uh, Toronto. And, uh, yeah, so 1,300... Um, Pseudo haikus, and I, I, I was, I'm very proud of that book. <laughs> um, and then, and I still kind of write pseudo haikus once in a while, but you know, not so mu- much anymore. Like what I, what ha- tends to happen to me, and this is something I've discovered, is that I will, I will jump on something, and I will be, you know, madly passionate about it. And I will, like, do a lot of it I will get addicted to doing something And you Sometimes I can put out, like, a couple of books Um Of it yeah. Whatever it is And then it'll begin to falter And then I just won't do it anymore I'll be doing something else
0: So what do comics represent for you?
1: What do you mean? It
0: As far as your artistic output
1: Oh, I really like comics Um they take so long. Um, I think I've got a few good graphic novels in me, uh, and we'll we'll see. I, I really, I'm passionate about them. I think I haven't tapped it out for myself yet. Yeah. I still have like um, a couple ideas for graphic novels that I'm I'm you know like passionate about. I know they're going to take a long time because that's what graphic novels take. It's the nature of time. the beast. It's true. I you know, what do you do? <laughs> it's it's like if if um it that's just how long they take. It, you know, novels, interestingly enough, like you could pump one out. Like not not graphic novels, just like writing like a liter- like a literary novel. Yeah. You know, like novelists say that it takes a long like some of them take say it takes years to write a novel, but I've discovered it 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 actually doesn't. If you sit down and write, an, you know, like say a thousand words every day, you can write a novel in like three months. Um, but you got to write that thousand words a day, and and then, but to bring a novel to into out as a book, it takes years because like you got to polish that thing, and then you've got to. Get an agent. You've got to find that agent. Then you've got to find a publisher, and then the publisher want will want changes, and then you know you've got to make those changes. And maybe you're tired of that book, or you're not ready to like work on the changes for that book. And then finally, the publisher has to see when in their timeline that, where they can slot you in. So it might they might go like, you know what, next year is all booked, so we can't bring you out then, but we can bring you out in spring of you know 2013. Yeah, and then you've got to take it and then you've got to work on other things while you're waiting for that book to come out. So, writing a book doesn't take that long, but actually bringing it to market takes a blindingly long time. So, um, and a graphic novel is even worse (laughs) because (laughs) you've got to write the scripts, you've got to, you know, plot it out, you've got to make sure, like, the timing of, like, the individual panels work. You've got to... Um, actually, draw the thing, and then sometimes if you want like a a background shading, like a a two tone yeah. thing, you've got to shade the whole thing in again, and then and then if there are edits to be made, you know, editing a graphic novel is a monstrous task because um, it's like because you've drawn the whole thing already, so if they wa- if there are significant changes to pictures you've got to redraw entire- sometimes entire sequences so that in a way that's like you know like having built the house already and then the the person who now owns the house who is owns the house or is going to buy it is saying like you know what i hate the second floor <laughs> Why don't you change the second floor or change that room but it's not you know always easy to just change a room when it fits in a graphic novel because you've got to make other significant changes like it's it's a little crazy. And then you have to do the whole, you know, other thing like finding a publisher and then, you know, actually bringing it to market. So
0: So are you a glutton for punishment?
1: I am a I'm a glutton for uh interesting things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is punishing, but you know, as long as you have other things going on, then you're not going to put too much pressure on it. You know, you're not going to go like, "Oh my god, this is my masterpiece." And it's got to be perfect, and it's, and you always try to make things perfect. But, you know, you don't hold it so tightly that to make any changes k- kills your soul. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs>
0: I don't even know anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes you the hipless boy?
1: Oh, you know what? You know, someone asked me this the other day. Are you still the hipless boy, or do you, you know...
0: I don't think you are if you're putting on slow dance events. I'm not
1: the hipless boy anymore. (laughs) No, not at all. I've I've kind of become a hipster.
0: You have skinny jeans on right now.
1: (laughs) I I actually don't wear skinny jeans. I wear um, baggy pants with cargo pants, cargo pockets. All right. And that's the pant I like. (laughs) Um, The one you have four pairs of. I'm sorry,
0: the one you have four pairs of
1: the one that I have four pairs of it's true i'm I'm not the hipless boy anymore and i thank God you know I got kinda of tired <laughs> of not having hip you know, <laughs> you know it, it, it's tiring to to agonize over not uh, uh, over feeling kind of like. An outsider, you know. I'm, I mean, I still feel like an outsider, but less now than I did before. And it's tiring to wonder if, you know, I kind of wanted to join that club. You know, I I never I never hated hipsters, really. You know, like I I find that a lot of times people hate certain groups because some part of them wants to be part of that group. They want you know that group to accommodate them, and you know certainly I felt that i I never felt like I belonged in that group um 'cause I w- you know for a variety of reasons, and definitely, I wanted to feel like I belonged and so you know create- writing the hipless boy was about negotiating that
3: mm-hmm.
1: that feeling about living in this hipster neighborhood and not at all feeling like I belonged in it and and then how do you acquire hip, you know, if you don't have it? Um, well, you know, some sometimes you never do, you know, or you find, like, peace with the world in, in some other ways. Or or you align yourself with all the other, you know, like, hipless people, and you, you hate the hipsters together.
0: <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens.
1: <laughs> or sometimes you, you discover that you were a hipster all along, you know. Like like a, whatchamacallit, the that black swan, no, not the black swan. The black sheep. The black sheep. The ugly Wait. duckling. The ugly duckling. That's it. Yeah, you know, no, because the black sheep isn't just like a white sheep, like tarred, is it? No, no. What is the story behind? The, is there a story behind the black sheep? I think. No.
0: Baba black sheep. Baba black sheep. me home, something like that. Wait,
1: are there mm. black sheep? Yeah. Do they exist?
0: I think so. I like a legitimately
1: so. black sheep. Yeah. Huh. And are they a mutant of some kind? Like are they <laughs> like? <laughs>
0: they have X-ray abilities.
1: <laughs> are are they born black? I would think so. Yeah,
0: well it's just black. Okay. Well, maybe I'm completely wrong. And
1: I guess we know, could I Google this, but I, my computer's off right now, so <laughs> I'm um, gonna fl- I'm gonna look that up. But let's use the ugly duckling metaphor. Yeah, I mean I'm feel a lot like a black sheep, but I also feel like an ugly duckling. And sometimes, yeah, you can blossom you know out of like your ugly ducklingness.
0: well what I I feel like with the end of the book is you kind of uh, feel comfortable with yourself by the end of it
1: I feel a lot more comfortable now than I did like definitely five years ago you know
2: Alleluia Hallelujah Alleluia Well your faith was strong but you needed proof You saw her bathing on the roof Her beauty and the moonlight You to a kitchen chair, she broke your throne and cut your hair. That you hear at night It's not someone who's seen the light to call
0: What I'm presuming is uh, Billy Mavray's store you're in. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I I think that's kind of perfect sum up, because I mean he's the most interesting, dynamic, comfortable guy to be around. (laughs) And it just kind of speaks fully to that idea of just being happy with where you're at. And here's this really incredible dynamic guy that does all this great stuff.
1: It's true. It's true. He's really idiosyncratic. And comfortable. And he makes everyone feel comfortable. It's true. He's very gregarious.
0: He is. And uh, I can say nothing but good things about that man. <laughs> everyone should check him out. What's the Absolutely. name of the shop? The Mon-
1: Monastery. Monast- yeah. yeah. I mentioned oh. it at the back of the, uh, like in the notes to the book. Oh, okay. Like that they should go visit his store. And I kind of tell people where it is. So hopefully they will.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I've I've posted it stuff about it online before too even though I haven't actually been in it yet oh really yeah like never no I've only been in Montreal when I was uh, probably 15
1: whoa yeah how so how old that's are you now 31 okay so look you should definitely like come <laughs> visit cause uh, you oh, know like it's a beautiful store I think you know Billy would love to you know have you met Billy
0: yeah yeah he can't, He was in Vancouver last summer oh, okay yeah
1: Oh. Huh. so Oh, well, you know, please come out and give me a call when you like come visit.
0: Oh, for sure. It's uh are you going to be at the Toronto Comic Art Festival in May next year?
1: I think so. I think so. Andy um is uh making arrangements, so I've never I've never been as a a vendor before. Uh-huh. You know. I've only ever been there at as like a as a cur- cur- curious you shopper. know, shopper. So but it's really like mass has it grown since uh, their first time? Oh it must have. Yeah. It must be monstrous. It now.
0: is. It's at the main library now
1: and Okay.
0: It's uh it's quite something.
1: Let me ask you something. Cause it's in the library, does that mean people can't drink beer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay. know. Uh yeah, that's uh I think that's an off-the-record question to be answered.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
0: I have drank at comic conventions in the past, I will say that. Not necessarily that one, but uh, there was one comic convention where I had uh, one friend bring a uh, a cooler and I brought the beer. Oh, nice. Yeah, we had an agreement and just sat there and drank the whole weekend, even though I wasn't even an exhibitor.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. You know, so, I'll bring a flask then. Because there we go. Um, I I know that uh, you know Toronto has, um, Canzine, right? Yeah. And uh, Montreal has Expozine. I'm curious, does Vancouver have like a zine fair?
0: We have um, we have a couple different things. We have the Broken Pencil thing.
1: Oh, okay, Canzine then. Kind of Canzine.
0: Kinda. I've never actually gone to it, and we have a okay. uh, thing called Comics and Stories, which huh. is a smaller little uh, small press thing. And we have Word on the Street, which
1: Toronto.
0: I think Montreal has it too, do
1: they? Montreal does not have Word on the Street. I think Toronto and Halifax and a bunch of other cities have Word on the Street, but not Montreal. I'm wondering they hate books. (laughs) It's interesting here. They they do hate what do they hate? No, they love they they consider themselves very cultured but bo- and books is like just one aspect of culture so but they the language thing is hard to navigate so, yeah. w- they wouldn't they wouldn't call it word on the street here they would call it um fuck actually my my uh, rue la... dans la rue <laughs> Le, lettre dans la rue not lettre fuck livre 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 sur la rue book on the street um <laughs> they probably come up with some new fangled term for it because okay, so like where the wild things are just came out, right, yeah, and the French translation of where the wild things are I saw this on a on a bus the bus ad the other day is max et les maxi monstre, so Max and, and the, the mega monster. monsters <laughs> ah so that's. They're tra- that's what they needed to convert it to.
0: <laughs> it's like some kind of Japanese horror <laughs> anime.
1: <laughs> Max and the Mega Monsters. Max and the Mega Monsters. Max and the Maxi Monster. So, you know, like, word on the street would prob- probably just to navigate the, the bureaucracy of creating a literary fair, yeah. like, in Montreal was enough to deter them. They're they're like we have enough problems, you know, putting a word on the street on in three different cities, you know, every year. We don't need to navigate that nightmare. Because also Quebec has different like a different tax system. So a lot of places don't want to deal with Quebec. Some contests won't even like touch Quebec cuz Quebec will like tax the shit out of that contest, you know, if they want to hold it there. So it's funny. Quebec, you know, they're looking out for their own. And so, probably, like if you did word on the street here, it'd be like, "Well, we don't want to compete with our, you know, like, like literary fe- national literary festivals." And when they call a national call it a national literary festival,
0: they mean their nation.
1: They mean their nation of yeah. Quebec. So, you know, like, look, you know, I understand. You know, yeah. like a lot of Quebecers, they they hate Anglophones. You know, they they don't want us here. Or if you're an Anglophone, you must learn French. You absolutely have to learn French if you want to stay in this in their country. You know, I understand that, but, you know, I don't want to learn French, really. Ultimately, I know that's terribly politically (laughs) incorrect. I don't want to spend the time to learn another language. I know it's terrible, and I'm, like, shooting myself in the foot. There are a lot of cool Quebecers that I wish I could talk with more fluently, but I don't want to have to learn French to do it, you know? Yeah.
0: You know, I'm learning it for school right now and not enjoying it.
1: And you're not, or you are? Not. You're not enjoying it? How come you need to learn French?
0: Uh, I'm at uh, University of British Columbia, and in order to graduate with an arts degree, you need a language.
1: Oh my God, really?
0: Yeah. Damn. So I'm doing le français. It's
1: so. it's a tough. It's not. It's a tough language to learn if you don't want to learn. it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Especially when you're not uh, as always around it like you are in Quebec.
1: It's true, but even here, you know, it's <laughs> very easy to avoid if everyone you know is English. And yeah. you go into stores, everyone on the island of Montreal, they pretty much know French and English, yeah. you know? And they say, like, you know, it's easy to learn if you get yourself, like, a French girlfriend. But I had a French girlfriend for two years, and she just spoke English with me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> that would just Yeah, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh. you'll communicate in the, you know, the path of least resistance, you know. Unless mm-hmm. you make a concerted effort to learn, you're not going to learn it. Yeah. And I'm not making a concerted effort, so.
0: And that's your loss.
1: And that is my deep loss.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Sully. <laughs> well, thank you for. i very, on, on that note of loss and language. Oh, goodness. Um, the Hipless Boy is your book that's right it says it's short stories but I don't feel like it's short stories
1: they're kind of interconnected the way they're I think of it is um, like the way you might read like an Archie book a, a double digest where you know like you know, the, you know the gang and you know the kind of underlying like story which is like boy meets two girls and has to choose and never will and maybe one day might choose but you've you know it's probably a publicity stunt
0: this is more like boy is trying to meet girls and
1: and sometimes succeeding and sometimes not. There we go. Just like life.
0: Just like anyway. life.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Sully. Thank you very much.
3: We were both young when I first saw you. I closed my eyes starts I'm standing there on the balcony and